This is the John Clayton Show on 710 ESPN Seattle. Get in on the conversation at 866-979-ESPN. Now here's your host, the professor, John Clayton. 866-979-ESPN, 206-421-ESPN. Let's go to Jet in Seattle. Hey, Jet. Dr. John, how you doing today? Doing well. Boy, I tell you what, can, can, can things go even worse has been going for the Jets right now, particularly with the injuries? Boy, I tell you, John, this season is, is looking like it's going to be uh, laced with many, many, many double D-sized gin and tonics. Yeah. I'm telling you. Uh, it's like nothing is, is – it looks so promising a few months ago, and now everything is one after another after another. It's just like the bad juju has just hit this team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because uh, I mean, the, the injury thing is just brutal. Yeah, and it's not stopping. Um, mm. And what's happened is, I mean, you had a thin team to begin with, and now they're just they're just bone thin going into the beginning of the season, which is not a good place to start out. Um, boy, watching them last night, it's just like, wow, they have so many holes and uh, so many young kids. There's going to be so many mistakes. Um, and a lot of it is just because uh, of inexperience and, and a lack of depth at this point. But what I'm most worried about is the offensive line because yeah. these guys are just dropping like flies and they were thin to begin with. And while they may be able to put a decent front five up, first five up there, they really have nothing behind them. I mean, Edoga's on the injured reserve. Uh, they've lost their two guards. I'm sorry, the tackle McDermott and uh, uh, Clark is now on the injured reserve. They're done for the year. It's just like, oh, man, just gone from thin to thinner to thinnest. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and the linebackers, my God. Um, they weren't very thick, you know, they didn't have a really flush house to begin with, but I mean, losing Davis for at least, you know, six, seven weeks is going to be brutal. And they're playing these kids that have never played linebacker before. And I'm watching the, I watched the first half of the game last night and, you know, you got two, 220 pound safeties trying to play linebacker. <clears throat> and even when they are in position and are make, trying to make the play, they're bouncing off these guys. So I'm sitting there thinking, you know, geez, is uh, this going to be a situation like, for example, when uh, when uh, Belichick had to adjust to Rex Ryan's ground and pound, and he added, he traded, you know, Seymour for Will Fork and brought in Mayo instead of uh, uh, Brewski and uh, added a couple of other heavyweights in the uh, in a linebacking core to stop the ground and pound. But then he uh, took himself out of the ability to be able to stop Peyton Manning and the spread offenses, and that's when they went in the tank for a few years um, because they made the adjustments. I'm sitting here watching the Jets, and it's like, okay, you got these you know, sideline-to-sideline guys, but you got a couple of 220-pound rookie safeties trying to play linebacker. How are you going to stop somebody that runs right at you? Right. This is the NFL. This is the NFL, okay? I, I, I mean, and, and you got Mosley that's, that's down 15 pounds you know, by choice. But uh, I mean, who are your run stuffers? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, once they once they get past that line of scrimmage, and you know these guys are playing, you know, uh, they're not playing two gap anymore. They're they're playing just run up the field on the defensive line. So how are they going to stop the run? Yeah, agreed. It's brutal. I, I mean, at best, John, we're looking at a four win team there this year. If that, yeah. Um, and I, I, you know, I don't know what the over under is on Wilson lining up for te- starting 10 games this season. I mean, I hope it's over, but, uh, boy, talk about endangered species. Mm-hmm. And they, they, they don't have much at the running back position. 
I'm not worried about the running back position, John. No, okay. I know we talked about it last week, but uh, that's the least of their problems. That and the wide receivers don't muster enough to uh, to be able to run. The bottom line is you got to have guys open the holes for them. Yeah, and that's where the trouble and and then keep Wilson upright, and that's where the real problem lies. They they've got enough skill guys compared to where they've been the last three four years. Oh, they're flush with skill position guys now. It's what's going to happen in the trenches that's concerning me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. No, I agree because again, I thought that uh, you know with all the starting changes they made last year, they didn't get any better. And uh, now, I mean, you can look they they make a few changes and are how how good are they going to be? I just like it shake your head. I mean, they're going to be a little bit better than they were on the offensive line this coming season. But how good can they be? And you wonder about it. Well, the thing is, the thing that really is troubling me, especially again, not to harp on the offensive line, but these guys need reps. Yeah. And you've got a young guy in Beckton. You've got a really young guy in Vera Tucker. You know, I mean, these guys need reps more than anything else. And they're putting in a new system, mm-hmm. a new system for Tucker, obviously, because he's a rookie, a new system for Beckton because it's a new coaching staff. These guys need reps. I mean, I'm so glad that they picked up Moses. Um, you know, and they've got George yeah. Fant, and these guys will pick up the system. I'm not too worried about those guys, and they do have a smidge of depth there on, on tackle. But, man, I mean, their problem has been in the interior, and uh, oh, I, I just don't see Van Roten or Freeney as the answer, and Vera Tucker's got to get in there and play. Mm-hmm. And there's just no substitute for experience, and they're just not – they just aren't going to get it. What do you think so far of Zach Wilson? Um, well – I, I, I like him, um, but I've got to temper that with the fact that, I mean, you know, what has he played against? Mm-hmm. Um, but I, and I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing at this point because I think it gives him a, a, some confidence, which I think can go a long way. But uh, he seems to have a, a bit of a command of the system. Um, he's looking beyond his checkdowns. Um, he's, uh, he, I like it. I mean, he seems to have a handle on what he's doing. He, it does, I guess the point is, he doesn't seem overwhelmed. Now, granted, he's been playing against, you know, twos and threes, and I don't know what he's been like in these scrimmages and whatnot, but uh, he doesn't seem overwhelmed, which I think at this point is something you just got to be grateful for. And uh, he seems to look like he knows what he's doing. He's moving the ball around, uh, making some decent throws. Uh, they're starting to open up the playbook a little bit for him. Last, uh, not this week, but last week, he, you know, threw a couple of, you know, 15, 20-yard passes downfield. I, I, I I think I, I I'm I'm pleased. I'm I'm definitely pleased. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean. Again. I I I just look how frail he looks. Yep. Yep. And that's that's that was my big concern with him uh, going into the draft, and it's going to be my concern with him probably for the next 15 years. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, and then again, that just puts more pressure on the offensive line. And you know, I mean, really, they've just been facing vanilla pass rushes by, you know, second-teamers, and they really have not been holding up very well. Right, agreed. So I, I, I'm, I'm real worried. I, again, uh, what I want to see this year with this team is improvement throughout the course of the year. I, I think September is just going to be brutal. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, but, um, again, they're going to lose a lot of games, but the question, I think, in this, this season is going to be how they lose, do they progress, um, do they improve during the course of the season? And I think that's the thing you got to be looking for this year, and not a whole lot more. Because I, I, if they win six games, it'll be a miracle. Yeah. What, what do you think of the coach? Uh, well, you know, uh, this <laughs> this is the time that, that that tries the 
try to test the metal of coaches and then players and locker rooms with all the adversity. Let's see how they can pull out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the big thing is going to be how they're going to perform against. Uh, I mean, Carolina is going to be a pretty good litmus test for them because I mean, Carolina may be a little bit ahead of them um, in the rebuild stage. But uh, they're somewhat evenly matched, at least from an experience standpoint. So that Carolina game is going to be an interesting game, despite the fact of uh, you know the Sam Darnold component to it. But um, that's going to be an interesting test, and uh, we'll get a pretty good glimpse inside the uh, inside the house, I think, as to how they respond in Carolina. Yeah, yeah, because you know Carolina's not. I, I, they'll be better, but they're not that great of a football team. But again, there's there's more talent there than there is uh, with the Jets. I think so. But, again, it'll be a good litmus test for them. We'll see how they hold up. Um, I like the uh, bringing back Matt Kavanaugh. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that'll help having him on the bench. And it sounds like uh, LaFleur is going to go up perhaps in the uh, skybox and call the plays from up there, which makes a little bit more sense, I think. And then you got Kavanaugh down below to do some hand-holding with Wilson. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought he tried to do a good job with uh, Sanchez when he was with the Jets previously. But I think uh, there was a little more than <laughs> than was able to be handled with Sanchez at that point in time. But I was glad they brought him back. They needed somebody uh, in that capacity. And I think he's a decent man for the job. So hopefully that'll help matters. But uh, otherwise, boy, I, I'm, you know, I'm, well, a lot of, a lot of gin this year. A lot of gin. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's not going to be good, that's for sure, because uh, not not a good football team. And that's the one thing. It's like, you know, you have the uh, seven coaching changes, and then you look at the big picture. It's like, you know, how many, I mean, other than, say, the Chargers, are any of the teams that made the coaching changes going to have winning seasons? And I say no. No. No, probably not. But I also think that's partially indicative to the fact that there were franchises that were in trouble even before the coaching yeah. changes. So. Uh, I think it's just kind of more of the same. And it's going to be hard to to right the ship, given how bad a lot of those teams are or were, mm-hmm. uh, to, to to get above 500. But uh, <clears throat> I don't know. Um, I'm just going to enjoy sitting back and watching Urban Myers oh. schmuck the whole thing up down there as well. So I, I say, you know, you ask how, what I think of, uh, of our coaching situation and, and front office. It's like, hey, you know, it, it's a long-term process. I'm happy with it. And I could just point to uh, Jacksonville and say, you know, John, I've been down that road before. I've seen it be worse, and uh, we're not there anymore. So mm-hmm. I think that's the positive we can say about this. Yeah, what, what, what's your thoughts on what you see so far from Sam Darnold? I really haven't been paying attention to it, to be honest with you. Uh-huh. Um, you know, I'm, I'm sad what happened to him. I really hope he, he's stuck in New York, but uh, I really have not been following it at all. I'll, I'll pick it up on week one. Um, when they play him, but I just have not been following it at all. I, yeah. you know, I've moved on. It's, you know, you kind of got to, I suspect. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's, it's frustrating. Otherwise, I mean, God knows how many ex jets are out and about the NFL that are doing well and succeeding. So if I keep going down that road, it's just like, Oh, mm-hmm. why am I, why am I still a jet fan after 40, what some years? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, you're remain a fan because you're a fan. And of course, uh, you know, you, you stick with one team, and that's what you do. But unfortunately, they've had so many things go wrong, and you know, you wonder, you know, has, how much of it is ownership, how much of it is decision making, you know, whatever it is, it's just not working. Well, you know, this year in particular, it's a bit odd because 
you know, obviously they they were, they were still flawed going into the season. Yeah. Okay. There's you know, they're only two years into their three year build out. You know, you give Joe Douglas. I think he's making the proper moves and he's moving in the proper with the proper speed. So you knew that they were going to be flawed going in. You knew you were going to have problems in the defensive backfield. You knew you were thin in linebacker, you know, but you can only plug so many holes, you know, each given off season. And uh he didn't stretch or reach or, you know, blow up the uh uh the budget, you know, making just silly, you know, uh, mm-hmm. a knee jerk moves like McCagnan would have, you know, or making trying to make a back page splashes. Uh, like it previously happened with uh, with Woody, um, so I, I think they're going about it the right way. But, geez, you know, even though they were set up, you know, as well as could be expected, I think going into the season, it's just like it's one bad turn after the other. Uh, it's it's weird. Uh, they finally seem like they've righted the ship and are starting to go in the right direction, and they just keep taking water, uh, you know, uh, with all these injuries. And it's like, you know, man, when's it going to stop? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah, agreed. but he's got to be patient. And uh, geez, I just thought about that. It's like this is going to be well. Next year will be my fiftieth Jet uh, season. Wow. Yeah. So I've seen a lot of bad football, John. I know. I I could I could I could tell. Hey, I've seen Jet. Seen a lot thank of bad you. Thank you for the phone call. <laughs> Take it easy, John. Have a good week. Okay. Eight six six nine seven nine ESPN two zero six four two one ESPN. Let's go to Dylan in Denver. Hey, Dylan. Hey, how you doing, sir? How you doing? I'm a big good. fan. Good. Thank you. You know, I don't want to be one of those fans that calls in and just rants, but I honestly wanted to get your opinion on the Drew Locke situation. I'm a big Broncos yeah. fan. I'm just, I'm, I'm over it. <laughs> I, you know, all the quarterback stuff. Um, you know, George Payton took over the front office when he, when he got here um, at the beginning of the season. You know, we called in on, well, rumors. I don't know. I'm not like a, mm-hmm. I don't know anything, but uh, you know, about the Sam Darnold, they weren't interested. You know, Carson Wentz, they weren't interested. We didn't get Mac Jones. We didn't get Justin Fields. We didn't trade up to get Trey, Trey Lance when we had the opportunity to. Um, we didn't even call on Cam Newton. And it's just like at this point, um, I'm not a fan of Drew Lark, but I, I like Teddy Bridgewater. But Teddy Bridgewater's not our future. No. And you know, you weren't going to trade. You weren't going to trade. Um, you didn't want to trade um, Drew Lock for Matthew Stafford for some reason. So I just don't well, they were, understand the point. It's like you're not going to get anything for Drew, like, Drew Locke after 15 interceptions well, last year, right? And so if you're not if you're not in on Drew Locke, then why are we starting Teddy Bridgewater? Because Teddy Bridgewater is not going to be he's not the future either. It just it's like what are we doing? Well, no, <laughs> like, it's, I, I can tell you from ta- I can Drew- tell you from talking to George, the idea is. They still think that uh, Drew has talent. It's just a matter that they didn't want to replace him this year. That's why they didn't draft uh, Justin Fields. They, you know, they they wanted somebody to challenge Drew Locke, and Teddy Bridgewater came in and challenged him. But they didn't want to completely give up on him because, you know, if let's say you make a move on one of these quarterbacks, then how much more are you going to be able to do to fix the rest of the team? You're not. I mean, right. But what is Drew Locke going to learn from sitting? Like, let's say, let's say Teddy Bridgewater starts this entire year. And, yeah. I mean, I don't think we're winning the division. I don't no. think we're going to like go to the playoffs. I think, I think, no, I think so, right now they're. Me, a, I think they're a me. wild card team. All right. So let's say, let's say we go ten and seven and mm-hmm. make the playoffs. Drew Locke just sat there all year and didn't do anything. You know, and I, I'm like, I'm not a reporter or anything. I, I honestly feel though that on draft night we were going to get Aaron Rodgers. I really do. And mm-hmm. I think that the Green Bay Packers pulled out last minute. And I think that this is the plan B. 
I don't think I don't think that we traded Teddy Brid- Teddy Bridgewater because they thought he was going to start. I mean, if that if they if they brought in a quarterback because they thought that he was going to start, then I don't know why they didn't just got rid of Drew Locke in the first place. Well, they didn't want to get so rid like, of him because they think that there, there's obviously talent there. He can get the ball downfield. I mean, he's more talented than Teddy Bridgewater, but it's like you can only fix so many things in a year. And, you know, Peyton fixed the secondary. Right. I mean, they've got a good wide receiver group. Javante Williams has made it a very deep running back group. Uh, their offensive line's fine. I mean, you know, defense, I think that uh, they have a chance to be real good. But, again, it's like you can't fix everything in one year. And so they can they can try to get a quarterback next year. I mean, think about this. It's like, you know, if Cam Newton doesn't win the starting job in New England, you could have as many as 14 new starting quarterbacks this year, 14. And, you know, next year right. they could be in the mix to try to go ahead and get, you know, Aaron Rodgers or get another quarterback. So you don't think Locke not starting is hurting his development? Who cares? Who cares? Who cares? Right. I mean, who cares? It's like, uh, you know, it's like it, his development was, you know, he com- dropped from 64% completions into the 57 mark last year, and he was tied for the lead in interceptions. Again, you know, he played better this preseason than he than he did. He, he did show improvement. He'll get in at some point to be able to play. But it's like, who cares about the development of Drew Locke? You care about winning. And right now, they've got the fifth right. easiest schedule in football. You know, they open up. I mean, yeah, man, Vic, Fa- you know, it's like if Vic, Vic Fangio, yeah, we're, uh, we got giant, Giants, Jags, and Jets. Yeah, they're all. I mean, three and you should easily win those. Yeah, games. nine and thirty-nine, the combined record. So it's like, uh, you know, they should get off to a three and zero start. And so it's like, uh, you know, you, you, you know, you'd like to develop a quarterback, but who cares? Right. Yeah, I've noticed on Twitter too. It's just like half the fan base is. Because everybody keeps comparing Josh Allen Leap with Drew Locke, and it's just oh, like, oh, please. well, give Locke his third year. And yeah. I'm like, that's a, you know, he can't even win out a starting job or like a quarterback competition. So I've just noticed like the fan base is definitely, oh, they should have just stuck with Locke. And if he's not it, then let's just move on at the end of this year. Mm-hmm. Because I know, I think Tay Bridgewater's on a one year contract, isn't he? Right. Yeah. And that's, that's fine. They can, I mean, worry about next year, next year. Try to win this year. I mean, because let's put it this way. If you don't win this year, you're going to have a new coach. Fangio's going to get fired. Right. Right, and they have a good defense this year. I think think we're going to have a top five defense. Agreed. I I I don't know the top five, but top seven. you you think if we miss the playoffs but we're competitive, Vic will still keep his job? No. I mean, if they make the playoffs, yeah. Yeah, if they make the playoffs, they'll keep his job. But if they don't make the play, if they they have a losing record, Fangio's gone. Yeah. Yeah, I just wanted to call about your uh, position on or yeah. your idea on the whole Drew Lock situation. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I mean, it was it was even. Bridgewater gives him a better chance to win because he's not going to make as many mistakes as Drew Lock. And again, they need to get off to a good start. Bridgewater gives him a chance to get off to a good start. Hey, thank you for the phone call. Hey, I appreciate you. Thank you. All right, eight six six nine seven nine ESPN two zero six four two one ESPN. John Clayton Show seven ten ESPN Seattle. This is the John Clayton Show on seven ten ESPN Seattle and seven ten Sports dot com. Greg uh, Greg Bell joining us at the bottom of the hour. Let's go to Chris in Port Ludlow. Hey, hey, Chris. Hey, Professor. Uh, the Colts lost Ellinger last night for the season. 
So when Carson Wentz gets hurt, yeah. and he will, uh, Jake Easton's going to be their quarterback. How do you think he's going to do? Uh, I mean, he's got a good arm. I, I think it's going to be a struggle. I mean, because, again, it's like, uh, I mean, it's, it's nice what he's been doing in the preseason so far, but, again, he's going against vanilla type of defenses. Once they start uh, trying to game plan for him, I think it's going to be tough. But uh, uh, particularly with Ellinger getting hurt, he got a knee injury. I don't know how bad it's going to be. But uh, And I'm still not sold that Carson Wentz is going to be there for the first game of the regular season. I, I still think it's going to be tough for Eason. You know, it's like, you know, last last year, you know, going in, he wasn't going to be able to do anything because he just wasn't ready for the NFL. Now at least he shows he's somewhat ready. But how how good is he going to be? I think that's a big question. How do you, How do you think he's going to be? Well, there was that interesting in the run-up to the draft. Yeah. An unnamed NFL executive said he's a bigger, slower Matt Stafford. Well, there are worse things in the world than having Matt Stafford's arm. Yeah, but, I mean, that that to me is just, I mean, the comparable on that's ridiculous just from the standpoint, it's like Matt Stafford was the first pick in the 2009 draft. I mean, J- Jacob Eason was a raw quarterback and, you know, he and he went in the fourth round. How do you compare him to a first-round quarterback? Well, he's got a great arm. Agreed. His problem in college was decision-making. Mm-hmm. Because he can throw the ball into windows most quarterbacks can't, he'd try to throw the ball into windows that no quarterback could. Right. But, you know, if he learns, I mean, and the Colts have a great offensive line. Yeah, but it's, I mean, right now there's so many problems on that offensive line. I mean, you've got uh, you know problem at left tackle because you don't know if Eric Fisher is going to be able to be there in the first month of the season. You know, uh, now Eric That's Fisher, er, Eric Fisher is uh, you know uh, a- ends up uh, getting COVID nineteen. Then of course you look at the center, Ryan Kelly's missed the whole preseason. Now he's got uh, COVID nineteen. Sam Tevy last night, who would be filling in at left tackle, he got a knee injury. I don't know how bad that's going to be. So it's like that offensive line, you know, we can we can say it looks good, but it's gonna be good for week one. Yeah, good point. Anyway, one other question. I don't know if you saw it, but uh, Connor Orr did his season win loss projections uh-huh. and he has the Seahawks losing to Jacksonville. Oh, come on. Give me a break. Well, that was my view, too. But I just, he has Jacksonville going 6 and 11. I, I don't see it. I mean, they won, they won one game last year, and they're trading away Gardner Minshew, Joe Schobert. I mean, it's like, uh, how, how are they going to win six? Well, how does Connor Orr come up with these numbers? I have no idea. Bad choices, I guess. Okay. Well, good talking to you. All right. Thank you. 866-979-ESPN, 206-421-ESPN. Greg Bell from the News Tribune coming up next. John Clayton Show, 710 ESPN Seattle. This is the John Clayton Show on 710 ESPN Seattle and 710sports.com. 866-979-ESPN, 206-421-ESPN. Joining us now, Greg Bell from the News Tribune. And Greg, sorry you weren't part of it, but what what a what a great Monday night for the News Tribune because uh, my wife Pat, uh, myself, twenty three other uh, people were and, uh, and many others who weren't at the uh, Tacoma uh, Convention Center ended up being inducted into the Tacoma Hall of Fame. Well deserved. My I don't I'm not worthy of walking in those shoes. <laughs> my 
predecessors at the News Tribune and the long line of them, Dave Bowling and John McGrath and uh, you and Mike Sando and Eric Williams. I go on and on about the legacy of the News Tribune. Thank you for bringing that up and congratulations to you and all of them. Yeah, I mean, it was it was it was such a great night. I mean, because, again, just so honored to be able to get into a Hall of Fame and you know, it was a, a big event and a lot of a lot of people there. And so, yeah, it was just it was fascinating and just uh, thrilled uh, with, with what ended up happening. That's great. It's great. Pat could make it. It's great. You were there and um, I heard all about it. And well-deserved honor, as I said, it's it's humbling to know the legacy that we have at the News Tribune. And I'm proud to be a part of it. I know that was the great part because, yeah, and I, I was the only one allowed to speak. And I guess a lot of that had to be for the fact that, you know, when they made the turnaround at the News Tribune, I was the uh, first person that, uh, you know, they ended up hiring. And the promises that they made, they all came true with because what the idea was, McClatchy was buying the paper, said we're going to make it good on all the sports beats uh, and every every uh, you know, every area, and we're going to have great competition. We took the paper from 106, 108,000 to 128, 150. Uh, we were APSE in the top uh, within the second year, and you know things worked out so well. And then for my life, I mean, it worked out uh, so well in the standpoint that uh, my Pat got hired in October of 1987. John Pikarski ended up, uh, you know, saying, hey, you want to meet John Clayton? I mean, he's right now depressed because the strike is going on in 87. Uh, so there's no football. And so we ended up, uh, you know, they ended up coming up to Federal Way. And the next thing you know, it's like uh, we've been together now 34 years. <laughs> and, and to this day, John, when I travel the country and you know, I'm going to stadiums and they still talk about the News Tribune and the legacy that you guys laid down, and yeah, it's it's renowned. Mm-hmm. It's one of the best sports sections in the country for the paper bit size, market paper bit size, and like I said, I, I am proud that your legacy precedes you when I go to the NFL stadiums. I, I'm proud to carry the banner forward. That's great. So let's talk Seahawks right now. So uh, you know, game three coming up. Uh, how long do you think the starters are going to be in there? You know, not only, John, as you know, the Detroit is the third exhibition game, even when there's four preseason games, the third is the, the dress rehearsal that he likes to bring them into the locker room at halftime and go back out for the second half and, and recreate what it'll be like in the regular season, meet with the coaches at halftime, cool down, and then wrap it back up. Because they haven't played at all this preseason and because they still have issues at offensive line and because – Dwayne Brown won't be out there tonight. I don't see him going a whole half into the third quarter with Russell Wilson and the starters. Maybe a maybe a, a quarter, uh, a couple drives to get some kind of rhythm. There'll be guys like D. Eskridge and a couple other frontliners, Kyle Fuller perhaps, that will play longer than Russell Wilson will. I don't expect to see Chris Carson at all. I think they're using this opportunity for Rashad Penny to get as many carries with a first-team type unit that he can. I don't expect to see Gabe Jackson at right guard tonight. I think they're giving him the preseason off. They may not play Damian Lewis at left guard, so you may see Jordan Simmons and Phil Haynes at guard tonight. Uh, Dwayne Brown's going to play the opener. We could talk about So now you, we, we're talking about uh, Gabe Jackson probably not going to be able to play. I know Green Bay's already come back and said that they're not going to play 31. 30, they're they're going to have 31 players missed the game tonight so it's like last night there was you know eight teams that played five of them didn't play their starters i mean it's amazing to think how this preseason has just been 
you know, it's like, uh, let, let's not play anybody. <laughs> well, I think in general across the league, John, last year emboldened teams and coaching staff to say, you know what, we don't need to have a preseason or at least preseason games and still have a regular season. And by and large, the quality of play didn't drop off significantly. Pete Carroll kept a close eye on injuries. Did the injuries spike? And not really. There were a few more injuries early in the season, soft tissue type injuries, but not enough to be alarming to say that, oh, we need these preseason games. And so teams have decided that they're, one, in the Seahawks case, they've decided we're not going to show our new offense and what Shane Waldron has in store for the NFL on game film in August. We don't want free looks for the rest of the league including the Colts for September 12th opener to see exactly what it looks like in practice because what I've seen in practice at training camp every day, not even close to resembling the tempo, the style, the pass patterns, the ball getting out quickly from Russell Wilson's hand. We haven't seen that in the preseason games. So I think that's one part here is they're keeping it under wraps. Two, they decided that they're going to look at the bottom third, bottom 10, 15 spots of the roster and audition those guys in these preseason games. And that's why you see Jake Kernan, for instance, at right tackle starting in Las Vegas in the opener, and Phil Haynes, who they haven't seen much of his first couple years in the league because of injuries at guard. And Is Jordan Simmons remaining a viable backup, a swing guy on both sides? The answer is yes. Rashad Penny is in the final year of his contract. Let's give him the feature role, not Chris Carson, who we know what he can do. So that's the approach that the Seahawks have taken. There is a school of thought, and Pete Carroll acknowledges that there is a school of thought to getting the new offense in some kind of rhythm before the opener, which is why he said those who haven't played in the first two games are going to play tonight. He didn't quite say Russell Wilson by name, but the implication was strong. And mm-hmm. what I saw in the, pre- in the practices this week suggested probably a quarter or so for Russell Wilson tonight. Okay, so now uh, you bring up uh, Dwayne Brown. Uh... Are, are, how are they going to get something done? Because, you know, I guess we're all trying to figure out what Dwayne wants. But, of course, uh, what I look at is that, I mean, he's in the same situation that Andrew Whitworth was were, worked a couple years ago in the sense that here is Andrew. He was in with the Rams. He was making $11.5 million. His contract runs out. And then he ends up signing a three-year deal for $30 million, uh, $10 million a year. I, I question whether Dwayne Brown on any kind of a deal, can get more than $10 million. Uh, right. And then Whitworth signs and he gets hurt and has yeah. injuries for the first time in his career, which is exactly why you don't do three years and $30 million. And that's what the Seahawks are thinking. And they're saying, here. first of all, let's go back to the beginning of the offseason. A lot of people in that building thought that he was going to play out his contract and retire this year. The last year of his deal, 2021, he turns 36 on Monday. Great career, 14 years. They didn't expect, they have not budgeted like they have budgeted for Jamal Adams and Quandre Diggs and DK Metcalf and then Bobby Wagner after 2022 and potentially Russell Wilson after 2023. They've budgeted for that, of course. They have a three to five year plan of what their cap's going to look like. They didn't have a Dwayne Brown at even $8 million a year in any of that budgeting. So when he comes back to them in the spring and says, I want to play beyond my 37th, 38th birthdays. They didn't have a, a slot for him. And so that's what's made that more tricky than the Jamal Adams, who they knew they were going to have to pay top of the safety market to as soon as they traded for him 13 months ago. So that's why this is not as easy and it's trickier for Dwayne Brown. The Seahawks thinking isn't rightly so. 
you're turning 36. Let's see you play an entire 17-game schedule, a longer season, and then hopefully they hope go into the playoffs and play into January. And if you're still healthy after five months of that and want to play again, okay, then we'll visit the possibility of giving you a one-year deal. And, of course, he, and I totally get this, in a non-guaranteed league, wants all the security and guarantees he can get before this season in case he does get injured and situations change. So that's the rub, and that's why he's not practicing. Now, the, as you know, John, the Vogue thing is to have these hold-ins, and you see Watt doing it in Pittsburgh, where by the CBA rule, they can't be fined. If they show up and report to training camp, that's what is defined in the collective bargaining agreement. Players that don't show up have to be fined per the CBA $50,000 per day in the training camp. But there is nothing written in the CBA that says if a player shows up and refuses to practice that he must be fined. That's a team-by-team issue, how they want to discipline that. And that's why you see these players holding in. And Quandre Diggs is now the latest to do it. But in Brown's case, the, the rub is they didn't plan and budget for this in future years. They have, there is talk. and there's, I've been told by a couple sources that the Seahawks are considering adding to his money this year to perhaps get him back to practicing earlier than later. But again, September 12th, he's going to be on the field. And in his type of the career he's had and, and how good he is, he doesn't need much time to ramp up before that. He's still in the weight room, lifting, training, being in the meetings in the morning walkthroughs. He could be ready to go in a day or two. Mm-hmm. Now, the Diggs thing, I think, is even a little bit more complicated because he's finishing up a $6.2 million a year contract. What does he get between 6.2 and the 17.5 for Jamal Adams? Because he did go to the pro, was selected to the Pro Bowl last year. I mean, can they... I mean, is he willing to take, you know, $10, $11 million a year, or is he going to try to ramp it up for even more? Yeah, that's, that's a good question. The other thing that makes it tricky for Seattle is they inherited this contract. They didn't sign him to this. This is the mm-hmm. one that the Lions signed him to in 2018, a year before they traded him here. And when they did that, you can bet that they at least had a conversation or two with him about what the next contract would look like and how, what he would be looking for and what it would take to keep him in Seattle. Same thing with Jamal Adams when they traded for him. They talked the next contract when they make those trades. But what's happened since then? Well, Justin Simmons, well, first Buda Baker got almost $15 million from Arizona last summer. Then Justin Simmons gets fifteen two five a year at safety. And now you have the Jamal Adams contract. Yes, you can split hairs and say that those are different kind of safeties, and especially Adams, more of an in-the-box, strong safety linebacker type. But in general, that's what leveraging and comparing and comps of other contracts, that's what Diggs and his agent will look at, that the market has exploded at safety, a position that has not generally been paid as well as cornerback, of course, and it has spiked. And it has spiked in a non in a year that the salary cap went down. And so Diggs' contract suddenly got even more outdated than it already was. He waited for Jamal Adams to get his. He knew he was first in line. And then Adams himself, when he signed the day he signed the deal, said Quandre Diggs needs to get his, and the team's going to take care of him. So now this is the only leverage Diggs has to play before the season begins. He can put some pressure on the Seahawks by not being on the field, but he's been here all off season, all preseason. He's done all the training camp practices up to this week, so he's ready to play in the opener too. And his leverage goes away because, just like Dwayne Brown, he's under contract for this season. 
He will get fined a game check each time he decides if he wanted to take this into the regular season, not play. NFL players in this day and age are not in the business of giving away half a million dollars a week. So he will play too. He's just using his only leverage he has here in the remaining days and weeks before the opener. Mm -hmm. How good do you think this team is? Uh, John, I think that they are only going to be as good on offense as their offensive line, which we could probably Mm -hmm. say every year for the last half dozen years. And I think they have holes in the middle of their defense. Uh, Defensive tackle is remaining an issue, which is why they brought Geno Atkins in on a visit. And the two cornerback spots are big red flags. And every offensive coordinator in the NFL that plays Seattle this year is going to attack the outsides until they prove they can hold up out there. Seattle's task, of course, is to not leave it all on the cornerbacks, whether it's a Witherspoon and Reed, which I think it's going to be left and right, Witherspoon and Reed to start the season, or if it's Trey Flowers, or if it's Trey Brown, eventually the rookie from Oklahoma, no matter who it is out there, Demarius Randall's going to get the start tonight in his audition to try to push for a couple Witherspoon's job on the left side. No matter who it is out there, they need a pass rush in front of them. And they need a front four pass rush so that Jamal Adams in the back end doesn't have to blitz as much as they did in the first half of last year. For as great as Adams was rushing the passer, nine and a half sacks, that's 90% of the time he didn't get home. And in that 90% of the time he didn't get home from blitzing, the back end was wide open, which is why they were leading the free world and yards allowed and points allowed the first half of last season. Carlos Dunlap comes in. All of a sudden they have a Pro Bowl caliber edge rusher in the front four, and he changed the entire defense in season by giving them some pass rush up front. Now they have Kerry Hyder to play the opposite end, opposite the Leo of uh, Benson Mayo and Carlos Dunlap. They think Alton Robinson is really going to emerge and get more looks that he deserves in his second year. They're going to try L.J. Collier inside as a hybrid-type defensive tackle in a cheetah package in fast third-down situations. Rasheem Green has had a good camp. We'll see if he translates that into the regular season. But the point is, that defense is only going to be as good as that front four pass rush. And if they can get some pass rush like they did with Dunlop in the last month and a half of the season last year, now that they've added Hyder and others, okay, Kandice, another one, now you have some help for those corners. But if they don't get any pass rush up front, John, this team is liable to give up 30-some points a game, and it's going to have to, they're going to have to outscore yeah. people with an offensive line that remains iffy. So who's, who do you think is going to be? How, how many defensive linemen do you think they're going to keep? And if so, who might be the odd people out? Well, they normally like to keep at least 10, right? Because they go 8 or 9, 10 for active for game days. They'll have even more of that on the roster. But they go 8 or 9 deep in the first quarter trying to rotate in. Uh, The Alden Smith departure really hurt them. They were counting on him to be an edge rusher, could also play inside a two-position and one guy that they thought was really restoring his career he could not hold up his end of the bargain when they signed him and said he had to stay clean and sober and, and do the things that were conditions of his reinstatement to the NFL. And so that set them back. Uh, that he's, he was a different type of defensive lineman, uh, and that may cause him to keep an extra player on the defensive line that they weren't going to. I look at Brian Monet, they really like as a run stopper. Uh, I know he's in a second tier in the depth chart, but I, I don't see them cutting him because they're so thin at defensive tackle. Uh, Puna Ford and Al Woods will be the starter. Al Woods has been fantastic in his second go-around here with the Seahawks, third if he count earlier in his career. But 
He's 34 years old, but doesn't look like it because he took all last year off, opting out for COVID. He's going to be potentially a three-down defensive tackle. He may be in a pass rusher as well if they don't want to go the cheat of four defensive ends. Kim uh, Dice has been intriguing to them. He missed a lot of time this month injured, but he's another former defensive end type that can play inside. They played him mostly in August at defensive tackle before he got hurt. Uh, I think he's going to make the team on the potential they see in him. So now we're talking 11, potentially even 12, with a couple that are inactive on game days. Uh, they need to see something out of L.J. Collier. The, the, they have not had first-round production, not only in games, but I haven't seen it in training camp as well. I'm not saying they're about to cut him, but they need a lot. A lot of their troubles in front four pass rush has been because their first-round picks have just flamed out mm-hmm. with McDowell and now L.J. Collier up front. Greg Bell, hey, thank you so much. Uh, looking forward to seeing you tonight. Yes, sir. Thanks. Sorry for the disconnect. Nice to talk to you, John. Okay, Greg Bell from the News Tribune, 866-979-ESPN, 206-421-ESPN. John Clayton Show, 710 ESPN Seattle. This is the John Clayton Show on 710 ESPN Seattle and 710sports.com. 866-979-ESPN, 206-421-ESPN. Let's go to Dave in Seattle. Hey, Dave. Hey, John. How are you? Good. How are you? Hey, a couple comments. Um, you know, in the draft, uh, we've added E.K. Metcalf, uh, Brooks is a linebacker. This year, I don't see any impact players. So Pete Carroll, I think, is kind of losing it. Uh, Nick's man up mentality. You know, Russell Wilson won his starting job this rookie year, preseason. Who, who's the next player that we're going to see out of preseason that's going to earn a starting spot? Uh, just like Greg Bell said, we need an offense that can score 35 points. Where's that offensive player coming? Uh, do you agree? Isn't the only bright spot in uh, Dallas at the running back position? Yeah, but again, it's like a, you know, you, when you only have three draft choices, how are you going to uh, necessarily do a good? Because remember, it's like they made the trade for Jamal Adams, who obviously is now one of the best safeties in football, and he's the highest paid safety. So yeah, and you know, people overrate the first round picks if you're a playoff team. Because remember, if you if you win, go to the playoffs, you're drafting in the 20s. If you draft in the 20s, what ends up happening is that uh, you're getting a second-round talent because there's only going to be like you know 16 to 18 guys that have first-round grades. So it's like but, you're you're not getting that what you think is going to be that Pro Bowl type of player. That's just the that's just reality. And so it's right. like, uh, oh, you know, I I agree. We gave up a lot on yeah. Adams. Adams couldn't even tackle last year when he comes up on the run with a certain shoulder, mm-hmm. and he can't cover the elite fast receivers. For even Greg Bell said, our corners are competing for those spots, and he needs to stay back, and he can't play that position. So without a defensive line, we're going to give up thirty points a game. Oh come on, and, that, that's that, they, they, that's ridiculous. They're not giving up 30 points a game. How, how many games did they win last year? But 12, true. right? Oh, they're still a good team, and they yeah. still have good veteran players, but where's the new impact player for this year? I mean, well, they're, I mean, you know, you, you're not going to get an impact player every year, particularly when you only have three draft choices. The impact player is Jamal Adams. They got right, him. But, uh, 
but I'm talking offense. Next man up, Pete Carroll. Where's the competition? Dallas should be the starter tonight. He's earned it. Yeah. Uh, Penny, we Penny is like uh, Kurt Warner, the old running back. After a torn ACL, they don't cut. They don't perform like they used to. And and then with our new offensive coach, where, where's our Percy Harvin jet sweep type of receiver? <laughs> Who, who's our third and fourth and fifth receiver? The third, the third receiver right now is either Freddie Swain. We'll see about Dwayne Estridge. It's like, uh, you know, it's like you, you, you know, each year, particularly, you know, you, you can't necessarily get impact players. I mean, you can get players, and again, again, this team's better than it was. I mean, did you not like the Carlos Dunlap trade last year, or the, oh. the signing of Carlos Dunlap? I'm not talking trades. I understand we've had to bring in trades. It's 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 the Snyder not being able to draft. Look at all the receivers we've drafted and running backs. And uh-huh. you know Carson, Chris Carson is another Sean Alexander. Now he's got the paycheck. Right. He finished the last year. He didn't go hard. He didn't want the football. He tapped out of games. If we're not going to compete with Chris Carson, he's going to be turned into a Sean Alexander and a Franco Harris just ran out of bounds. We need another guy besides Dallas. Collins came in last year and played his heart out, and he's already been a washed out. He doesn't have the speed. Collins, Collins looks our good. Weak offensive line needs. Yeah, it's like we're we're on different pages. I mean, it's like uh, I'm not seeing what you're seeing. It's like uh, you know th- this team talent wise is better. Okay, they got the, the one of the best wide receiver duos in football. But it's like is is Gerald Everett like a nothing that they added at tight end? No, Everett Everett's a great pickup. Okay. But I'm just going back to the draft and Pete Carroll's not competing. He, we're, we've had to bring in Adams and Diggs and Everett where we're not competing. No, but it, it, well, here's what it is. It's like it's no different than what you saw happening in San Francisco, Arizona in uh, the Rams, it's like, you know, if you're drafting in the 20s, right, and here you, you get a chance to get a top 10 pick like Jamal Adams and you make that trade, it's like you, you, you're not getting that type of talent in the 20s. It's as simple as that. Oh, I understand that. But I think until Pete Carroll goes back to that next man up, and can make players compete. It's just like Minshew. Why don't we? Okay, that's uh, uh, quarterback. D- d- Dave. Uh, Dave, I don't, I don't, don't buy it. But I've got to run. Thanks, John. All right, 866-979-ESPN, 206-421-ESPN. John Clayton Show, 710 ESPN Seattle. 